All right, welcome back to the uh, EarFluence studio at Industrious in downtown Raleigh inside the Wells Fargo building. I am so excited right now because we have on a guest that's made some noise in the Raleigh community, in the Industrious community. He is David Shaner of Offline Media. David, what's happening? Not a lot. Not a lot. That's well, not everything true at all. and not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that is not true at all. I keep seeing you in the news. I've, yeah. I've seen so much about what Offline is doing. So congratulations on your success so far. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we've been pretty visible the last maybe six to nine months. Yeah. So for those of us that have, for, for anybody listening and watching that's been living under a rock and hasn't heard of Offline Media, can you tell us about the company? Yeah. So we have a um, consumer subscription business and uh, we describe it as a restaurant club. So the elevator pitch for people that have never heard of it is that um, everybody has a list of restaurants that they wish they went to. Yeah. Um, and it it just tends to grow because everybody just goes back to the same five that they know and love. Uh -huh. And so what we decided a few years back is that nobody needs another app for discovering new restaurants. Mm -hmm. They need something that will actually get them to do the things that they want to do. So they're not just thumbing through Instagram and like liking a bunch of stuff and never going. So the way that the subscription works is that people pay a, a monthly fee. It's 15 bucks a month. And every month we match them with two restaurants that we've curated, like our team has curated for them. So they have to be yeah. locally owned, highly rated, like cool spots. Yeah. And then on the first of the month, we give you between 10 and $25 to spend at each restaurant. Oh, wow. The catch is that it expires on the 31st or the 30th. Okay. So like you get like your May picks. If you don't use them in May, they're gone. And mm -hmm. you just flushed your $15 subscription fee down the toilet. Yeah. So it's the it's like this interesting combination of curated spots, um, a monetary incentive, and then like an expiration date that yeah. gets people just over that inertia to go try something new. And we found it to be pretty sticky and people seem to like it. That is awesome. And so are these spots for date night typically? Are they for with kids also? It's like choose your own adventure. Yeah. You know, like there are restaurants that are kid friendly, but I don't know of any restaurants that are just for kids. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we have a we have everything from coffee shops to fine dining places. And the, the, the member has some input on what they get matched with. Yeah. And so typically what happens is you kind of like think, through, okay, it's May. What do I want to do in May? Maybe I do want to go on a date night. Maybe I'm actually going to be out of town. I want like a lunch spot downtown where I can go like do something casual, try somewhere new. Yeah. So you can kind of make it what you want. Yeah. And then a, an aspect of it that we didn't predict that's been like a fun part of the startup journey for us is that we learned really early on that everybody goes out to eat with other people. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of like, there's a social element to this. Mm -hmm. And so we've designed the service so that you can link it with other people. Oh, so, so think like a Spotify family plan yeah. or Netflix shared account. And so you can have your group of like two other friends, you're all members, you get matched with the same places every month. Yeah. So, you know, if you're like 26 and you live downtown, that can be really nice. But I've talked to, you know, mid thirties people like myself that they got their best friend that lives three miles down the road and they never see him because mm. they both have a family, they're yeah. slammed. So they'll both sign up for offline. They'll link their subscriptions once a month. They'll go out to eat together and they'll use it to kind of like force them to hang out. So yeah. there's a lot of different angles to it. And I think that's one of the reasons it's worked. Yeah, that's really smart. So the model is a uh, consumer will pay yeah. uh, $15 a month. 
What about with the the restaurants? They don't pay anything. Okay. Um, so one of the things, you know, I'll, I'll be I'll try to be brief because I know we don't have a lot of time. But anytime you're talking about discounting, like Groupon is immediately the uh-huh. thing that pops into people's heads. Groupon was a disaster for yeah. restaurants, and um, one of the things that was really important to us with this, like when we were designing the business model, was how do you make it like foolproof for the restaurants? Because we're working with local places, we're not working with like Ruby Tuesdays mm-hmm. or something. So the way it works on the restaurant side is they have no fees. All the monetization shifts to the consumer side. Yeah, They simply put forward the discount. But then we actually track in their point of sale system the revenue that's coming in from the program. Oh, awesome. And if they ever lose even a penny, we pay for it. Huh. So it's a, we try to make it kind of a no-brainer net positive on the restaurant side, yeah. fun for the consumer. And if we can kind of keep those two things humming, then it becomes a good business for us too. Yeah. Man, there's so many things I want to ask you about this, um, but let, let's stick to a couple topics here. Um, pivoting. So you, yeah. I, I've seen in the, in the news that you've had to pivot at least a couple of times. We have, yeah. And so, you know, industrious, uh, people at Industrious here, founders, you know, sometimes we all need to know, like, you may need to pivot. Can you talk about your pivots and, and how you've gone through that? Yeah, we went through, through several. I think it, just for brevity's sake, um, let me think about how to say this, like, in a meaningful but short way. So the first, I think I think maybe there's, like, two kinds of pivots. The first one for me was um, I just didn't know what I was doing as a founder. Mm. Um, so the first, the first, like, iteration of offline. You really, must have been early 20s, right? It was my first job. Wow. Yeah. And I was a chemical engineer before that. Like, student. I never, like, yeah. never practiced. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know about fundraising, sales, product, like you name it. It was a mystery. Yeah. Um, so I, I've met a lot of founders that they have a good idea, um, but they really don't have the capacity yet as a person to like bring that idea to market. Mm-hmm. They end up pivoting not because of the lack of potential product market fit, but because they just can't quite pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. And so I see a lot of people like that. They'll pivot into like maybe like a services riff on yeah. the product they were trying to build or like something like that. And then I think there's stuff where, you know, you kind of have a concept, you bring it to market. There's elements of it that really work, but a business model is like a Rubik's cube and you can get like mm. most of it right and still have these couple of squares that aren't matched right. And yep. it can ruin the whole thing. And our second pivot was like that offline was a, it was actually a, a media like publication, like a thrillist oh, or okay. timeout or something yeah. like that. And, um, a lot of things worked about it, but ultimately the business model itself, like the way we monetized was ads and local advertising is a horrific business. Yeah. It's so hard. Like a lot of respect to anybody that's been able to pull it off, but we couldn't. Uh-huh. And so we tried to take like a lot of the things that we're working about offline and just tweak the business model a little bit. And that's how we went from an ad model to a subscription model. Yeah. And then that is what kind of like carried us forward. Wow. All right. Uh, that's awesome. Um, and can you tell us how many markets you're in right now? Yeah. So we're in uh, RDU, Charlotte, and um, Nashville and Tampa. And, okay. Uh, Atlanta is on deck right now. Cool. Um, so we had uh, Tim McLaughlin on from Co-Founders yeah. Capital yeah. Um, just a, a few minutes ago. And uh, he gave startup founders advice on, on raising funds. Now, mm-hmm. If I look at Crunchbase, I think you've raised close to like $6 million or something like that. I don't know what you can share, but just want to give, uh, want you to give advice to anybody here at Industrious or anywhere that's looking to, to raise capital. Mm. Um, 
anything that you, any mistakes that you made initially that you have changed now that you've gone through another round of, of funding? I, I think the biggest difference for me now is just having a, a lot more perspective about how many different ways there are to fund a company yeah. and what what are the pros and cons of each way. And it's like, which ways are a fit for your company? Like, I think me five years ago, I would have thought, well, co-founders invest in like startups. Like I should go pitch to them. And uh -huh. like now I look at it and I'm like, well, I don't know if like venture is a great fit for us. And like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with the pros and cons and I don't not, not even to say they would write a check because they don't even do consumer. Right. And like, so the calculus is just a lot different when I sit down now to think about what's the next leg of capital that offline's going to try to take on. I'm just looking at a lot of different things. Do we want to take on like debt financing? Do we want to go after private investment? If so, do we want to go, you know, family office, institutional, do we want to do crowdfunding, which is like an element of what we did last year. So it's just perspective now. I think a lot of times if you haven't raised money before, it all kind of seems like it's like this big blob of stuff, like mm -hmm. raise money. It's just like a big, like nebulous yeah. thing. Yeah. And I think over time you just start to see there's a lot of like nuances to it. And um, yeah. so I think every, there's no universal right answer for who you should raise money from, how much you should raise. You, know, you got to make it contextual to the company that you yeah. have in the stage that you're at. Yeah, and I think as you're starting out, you've got to figure, you've got to have those conversations anyway to yeah. to learn. Like even yeah. if yeah, that's true. Even if co-founders is not the the right path because uh, you're B two C and they're all B two B, they'll still have yeah. that conversation. Yeah, and yeah. and have that practice and get those reps in. Yeah, um, but that's smart that you know who's a fit and who's not a fit right away. Yeah, yeah. Um, talk about industrious. So we're at industrious in the yeah. Wells Fargo building. You're a member here. Um, can you talk about advice for, let's say, new members in being involved in this industrious community? Get to know Matt really well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for this location, Matt's the, he's the beating heart. Yeah. Um, but I think my favorite part about industrious is that it's not, it's it's got that feeling of like, you're here with local Raleigh companies, but then you have the portability because yeah. with offline, we're touching down in Nashville, we're touching down in Tampa, we're touching down in Charlotte. And it's been so incredibly seamless for us to be able to get in touch with that location and say, hey, we're gonna be there, we're gonna be there this date, this time, we need like this conference room or this yeah. co-working area. And they just they just have it for us. And so I think Industrious does a really good job of like localizing the experience, but also giving you the benefits of that national network that they have. And we've really taken advantage of that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, David, how can our listeners, our viewers connect with you and, and offline? I think the gateway drug is probably our Instagram account. I would just the gateway drug. I would just look that up and give it a follow. <laughs> and if you like what you see there, you can consider becoming a member. Okay. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, like at the very least, you'll see some really cool stuff to eat. And when you realize you're falling into that trap of like, yeah. I'm not actually going to these places, uh, then you can become a subscriber. Yeah. So, all right, I've got to ask, what's your favorite place that offline has told you about? Well, in the phase of life that I'm in now, um, I would probably say Wilson's in Five Points because oh, yeah. you've got the little bullpen. Like you, you have like a, it's like a place to eat, but also to just let your kids off their leash. This is by Linwood, is yeah. that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. There's uh -huh. like that corridor of like children and dogs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> 
Yep. Well, David, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thanks. This is a, is a, a fun conversation. Look forward to talking more. All right. Yeah. Thanks, David.